So I want to welcome our studio audience today, <laughs> uh, and all of you that are watching my live stream. Uh, thank you for joining us today, and I thank you for those of you who, who drove through the rain and the floods to get here, and you're here, and, uh, and for those who are home, uh, there's actually a very nice uh, studio audience here today at the best. <laughs> uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Everybody applaud really loud so the people at home can know you're here. <laughs> and we appreciate all of you, uh, for those of you who, for whatever reasons, I'm sure there were, were reasonable ones to stay home today and watch it on live stream, and those of you who wanted to be together. We're glad you're here. Um, before I get into the message today, uh, we do want to uh, make a, a, a small presentation to Brandy because we want to honor her. We're going to do the we're going to do the big one next Sunday when we have more of our folks here, and so we we, we have we have a lot of things we want to do uh, publicly. But Brandy has been with us for, uh, for about 14 years and served in so many capacities, does such an awesome job, and we'll express that more fully next week, Brandy, but uh, we wanted to bring her up and, and, and make a presentation to her now and have you give her a warm uh, a round of applause. So, um. oh, it's Brandy, but where's, uh, where's Christina? Oh, you, Christina thought I was going to bring them out. Oh, okay. <laughs> usually my job. Yeah, that, so, that, it's fitting. that is true. But don't you dare change your phone number. Because I still have last minute things that I'm going to be calling you about. And, uh, th that's been Brandy and I's history. And she, I, I, so many times, Saturday morning, I needed, uh, I needed a prop for a sermon. And uh, it just came to me, you know, I think better under pressure, you know. And uh, I would call Brandy, and she, she, there's nobody in this organization who can put it together like she can in a hurry. And um, just, uh, we're going to say more about that next week, but Brandy is an awesome person. We, we hate to see her go, but uh, I know that uh, this, this is how she feels that God is leading her, and we respect and honor that. And so, uh, let's give Brandy a big Bethany applause today. Brandy, we love you. God bless you. I just think, this is way off topic, but I think this shirt, it's very, uh, I'm going to be wearing this shirt every day. Uh, <laughs> I found out it's a, it's a scotch and soda is the title, is the brand. I didn't know that. Uh, I'd looked it up after I came, I went, I wore it one day this week. I've washed it since. But I went to the drive-in at McDonald's, and this woman there goes, Wow! You look wonderful in that shirt. <laughs> so, so this is the only shirt I will wear. <laughs> I even wear it around the house. <laughs> so if, by the way, if you can find this shirt, I couldn't find this color anywhere. I think the color has something to do with it. So if you ever see one this color, just go ahead and buy it. They're only like $115 a piece. <laughs> I bought it from the Blessing Barn. Seriously, I bought this at the Blessing Barn. It's used. 
it's secondhand. So, uh, oh boy, I got to get in the start because I got to get you out of here so you don't drown. <laughs> Minding the king's business. That's what we're going to talk about. And this, this sermon is dedicated to Brandy, and it's built around the theme of her, of honoring her today. Minding the king's business comes from a statement a church leader I once served under used to say. He used to say, you take care of the king's business, Jesus, of course, and the king will take care of yours. Referring, of course, to Christ. And Christ is our king and our discovery and the carrying out of his purpose with our lives. It's a sermon about discovering and committing to God's call on your life and the unique way that he's calling you and all of us out to serve him in the kingdom of God. Uh, because Brandy is the person we're honoring this Sunday and next Sunday, uh, I want to say she exemplifies someone that has done that with her life. She's exemplified someone who, who has done that and continues to do that. As someone, as you know, uh, uh, is well-educated and fully degreed and pedigreed and all that, she could have gone a lot of directions with her talent and her ability, but Brandy has chosen to serve the church. She's chosen to serve the kingdom of God with her abilities. Chosen to serve the kingdom of God with her education. And uh, that's a decision I want to encourage all of you to make. And some of you will make it, I believe, full-time, vocationally. That's what Brandy has done. That's what I've done. Some others have done. And I really believe the, uh, the uh, Gen Zers and iGen folks that are listening here today, especially... Uh, I don't, want to call, I don't want to call you into full-time ministry, vocational ministry, but I, I want you to know it's a great choice. It's a great choice to go into full-time ministry and serve the church full-time. And uh, uh, we're going to talk about that today. So uh, I, 14 years ago, uh, Brandy showed up at Bethany, or 15 years ago or so. I think it was 15 years ago that she first came and began to attend here. And as I got to know her, I don't remember exactly how the conversation happened. I think she initiated the conversation, and uh, she worked for a year as an intern here at Bethany Community Church. And um, that has evolved into her discovering her life's purpose. You see, most of us discover the will of God. It unfolds. We take the first step, and then, then the second step becomes clear. Then the third step becomes clear. It doesn't come to us all at once. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Listen, for just as each of us has, just as each of us has one body with many members, talking about our physical body, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give it cheerfully. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So 
what are the elements of the call to ministry and the call to surrender to God's calling on your life? Because according to this passage, every one of you are called to do ministry. Every one of you are called to be ministers. This is why I never allowed myself to be called the minister at the church. I'm not the minister at the church. I'm a pastor, but I'm not the minister. The Bible says God has given pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets to equip the saints for ministry. You are the ministers. Now, I'm a minister as well, by the way. But when I, when I visit a hospital, or I, or I sit with a person who's brokenhearted and encourage them, when I come alongside a person and try to teach them the right way to go with their lives, I'm not really being the pastor at that point. I'm being a minister. You see? When I lead you, I'm being a pastor. But when I go and touch people's lives, as I love to do, by the way, and I hope you get addicted to it as well. I hope you get addicted to being a blessing and a help and an important part of other people's lives. And that's what this is about. See, that's how Brandy didn't start out being a staff member. She started out being a minister. So first of all, the first element is a call to ministry and the surrender to sacrifice. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now that was a culture and a place where people understood sacrifice. They had seen animals slaughtered and offered as sacrifice on the Day of Atonement in Israel. They understood, the, 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 they understood what sacrifice looked like. And so when we don't understand that today. We don't understand what it's like to offer blood sacrifices, and thankfully we don't have to do that. But they understood that. So Paul uses that metaphor to say, offer your bodies not as someone who's going to die necessarily, but offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Become someone who learns, in a, as someone has put it, to live dead. To live dead. Holy and pleasing to God. Uh, the fear of sacrifice will cause us to fall short of the glory of God. Many, many people fear sacrifice. Many, many people fear discomfort. Many, many people fear failure. They fear risk. They, they feel, uh, uh, the fears are so many, many people fear a lack, of, a, a lack of privacy if they start to let other people into their lives. Uh, many people fear, uh, uh, fear their own inadequacy. They feel inadequate to be a, a, a change agent in somebody else's life. The fear of sacrifice, though, will cause us to fall short of the glory of God. God uh, expects us to take, to, to act, God expects us to live by faith. And you know how you spell faith. I'm going to tell you how, to, I'm going to tell you a new way to spell faith. R-I-S-K. That's how you spell faith. You take risk. We have this myth I've seen for many years as I've pastored and talked to people and been with people. We have the myth of death by sacrifice. <laughs> he said we call it to be a living sacrifice. And we have a myth of death by sacrifice. It's based on a faulty non-scientific premise. This, if I, if I sacrifice, if I sign up for something, if I, if I give myself to something, if I, if I do this, it, well, it's going to kill me. Well, I, don't, I want to say something. And I, I want to make sure you understand me because I don't, I'm not saying that everybody who doesn't accept the calling to ministry is going to have some sort of curse on their lives. I, I'm not saying that you will, you will materially be a failure 
that your children will not have a great career, that you won't, that, 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 that you'll live in a tiny house. That's, all, that's the only choice you'll have is live in a tiny house. And your life will be terrible. I'm not saying that because plenty of, plenty of people do not serve the Lord and have very opulent and fantastic lives like us. But what I am going to say is I, after the many years that I've spent in this crow's nest, I can tell you that death by sacrifice is a myth. And I can tell you that the people, and I'm going to call a few names here in a minute because that's the best way to illustrate. I can tell you that the people who sign up to give themselves over to ministry do not find themselves bereft and without any material or, or physical or, or relational blessings. In fact, it seems like they do very, very well. And I, I think of, I, I'm going to talk, let me just mention the people that are on my team. We'll start with Brandy, how God has blessed her life. She, she's doing great and she's going she's to do, Brandy, you're going to do even greater things, greater things than these shall you do. Not because I go to my father, really, because Jesus said it. Um, but uh, I, I, I think of our, our I, I think of our own staff here, Shane and Shana Sullivan. They could have gone, you know, somewhere else, got made a whole lot more money. I mean, that's one thing anybody that's on staff here, uh, they they could be making more money somewhere else. Uh, believe me, and 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 Shane and Shane are very talented people. Uh, very few people know, but Shane is Shane could be a, a first-class electrician, and and you know you know what you know what electricians get paid anymore, right? You know you heard about the guy the the, the doctor the guy who came and he he did some a little bit of electrical work and he handed the person the bill and the the person says to them, "Wow, my doctor doesn't get paid this much." And the guy said, uh, "I used to be a doctor." <laughs> <laughs> I usually tell that joke with a plumber. The plumber, I used to be. <laughs> uh, my, Dan and Christy, my son-in-law, my son-in-law and daughter, are giving themselves to ministry. I mean, I don't, most of you don't know, uh, Dan has been voted Coach of the Year in the MIAA several years because he is an incredible basketball coach. But our school is very limited. We're small. We, we, we only can handle so many students. Dan could be coaching at any level, I believe. He's really a good coach. Uh, uh, I mean, really. I mean, really talented coach. He could be, I believe he could be certainly coaching at the college level, but certainly in a 1A high school as well. But he, loves, he wants to serve God with his life. He, wants to, he, he believes he can make the greatest difference by mentoring young, uh, young men, young women too, but mainly his ministry has been to young men here at BCA, and he also helps to manage our facility. And we just, he, he has somehow pieced together the ability to run their lives. Christy's the same way, you know, the beauty that she creates and all that she does. And none of these people, and I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling sorry for them, by the way, and they don't feel sorry for themselves. Uh, but both couples I just mentioned, they own, a, they own a house, they drive nice cars, they take vacations. Death by sacrifice is a myth. And, and I'm looking at Scott and Susan, I know they get tired of me pointing them out, but Susan left a, a very good paying position to come and make like, what, one-fourth, one one one-fifth, one, 
third? Why, tell me the percentage. What? It was, she doesn't want me to do this. Uh, she's going to hate me for this. They, they, they take vacations. They own a house. They're doing great. And they got this incredible son over here. Who's, some of you don't know this, but Zach is second in command at the Coast Guard facility in Boston. Second in command. I mean, so, and, and, what, and, he, and what's more important, he's got a beautiful wife named Megan. And where's Megan over there? No. Megan's back in the sound booth. And, and he loves Jesus. That's the most important thing. They, he loves Jesus with all of his heart. He's a, he's a, I mean, he can't say this. This would be pride. I say he's a great Christian, a great follower of Jesus Christ. And then, then there's Jay and Mare. Jay, Pastor Jay, Marilyn, Marilyn's sitting over here. Jay was up here on the stage. I mean, th- th- they've all had to do other things to make it work financially. Jay runs a wedding videography company and serves the church to make things work financially. They've had to do, they've had to be, a, a lot of these people had to be bivocational. But you know what, you know what Jay's company, th- this, this summer, this summer, they videotaped and, ed- and they have to edit 200 weddings. God's taking care of them. <laughs> if you will take care of the king's business, the king will take care of your business. That's my philosophy. And, uh, and of course, of course, they're still in Sherry. I'll never forget, man. We weren't, I mean, I wish I could just tell stories. You, 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 the water will be coming in the front door by the time I get to telling stories about how God is taking care of Sherry and I. It's just amazing. I, I'll never forget, uh, Mike Seaver's here, and, and Sherry, Sherry went to work for Mike Seaver when Mike Seaver's company was um, like four people, right, Mike? Mike, you back there? How many people were at your little office down there to help you sell? Less than 10. It was a t- tiny office. Sherry goes to work for Mike, and that, Mike's another story. I won't get into his story, how God has blessed him for putting the Lord first in his life and serving the Lord. And ministering to the Lord, um, uh, but but Mike's been all over the place, and, and I, I'll stop on that. But but uh, but I, I'll never forget that first that first house that Sherry was trying to sell. I remember getting on my knees. Oh God, please let her sell it. <laughs> I really prayed hard, you know, because I, I, because I I I didn't know I didn't know how easy easy she would do that. Because as the years went by, and I I quit praying after a while. It was, Sherry's got this. And we, we own a house, and we have nice cars, and, and if I could ever get Sherry to take a break, we could take a vacation. <laughs> but that ain't going to happen, right? Nope. nope. <laughs> and then there's, then there's this guy, you know, it, we've proven the scripture that says unless a kernel of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to rub it in anyone's face about children, but boy, I just pinch myself sometimes. And I, I, don't, know how, I don't know what to attribute it all to because I've made so many mistakes and um, all of that, but my kids love the Lord, and, and my kids serve the Lord, and my grandkids, and when, when, I, when I hear that my, my little granddaughter Leah is loving my, my sermon series on Satan, 
I mean, you know, it doesn't get any better than that, guys. Trust God. Trust Him to give your life to Him. Trust Him to serve Him. He just might do something amazing in your life. And death by sacrifice is a myth. Another scripture that comes to mind is uh, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things should be added to you. Uh, another, another story that comes to mind, a story in the scripture, a guy named Solomon. I, I, I attended my, my new friend's church last week. I got a new friend named Del. Delphine Demosthenes is his whole name, but we'll just call him Del. And uh, he's actually a chaplain at Brown University and he pastors in Seekonk. So I visited his church last Sunday. And he, boy, he preached us some wonderful sermons. And he, he's, he's wicked smart, Dell is. And uh, <laughs> he preached this sermon about Solomon. I, I never had thought his sermon was if God gave you one wish, like he did Solomon, you know, told Solomon, anything you ask me, I'll do it. And uh, Solomon says to God, Give me wisdom to lead your people. And God says, because you asked for wisdom to lead my people, I'm going to give you wealth and riches. And, and Dell's sermon was like, he didn't say it this way, this is the way I would say it. If you let God know you plan to make his concern successful, you plan to get behind his business and what he cares about he will open everything up to you. Things you couldn't imagine that he will open up to you if you let him know you plan to make his concerns your concerns and you plan to make his kingdom successful. The key to the heart of God, Solomon found out, was I want wisdom to lead your people. Boy, if, if this was a Pentecostal church, you would be jumping over the seat. But I, I, I give you a break, because you're not. You're, you're, you're stoic New Englanders. You're not wild Texans like me. We used to have a little lady in my, my home church when I was a kid. It's a sister foster. We didn't know anyone's first name back in those days. They all had, we only, that would have been impolite to call them by their first name in that, in that honor culture that I grew up in. And Sister Foster, if a, if a pastor, if I had said that with Sister Foster, who sat right there on the second row, she would jump up and do a little dance and sit back down. <laughs> so you, you, always, you, the pastor, always knew if he was bombing, because <laughs> if Sister Foster never got up. <laughs> Kevin, you could do that for me. Come on. <laughs> I have too much fun with you guys, I tell you. On a rainy day, where would you rather be than doing this? God doesn't just, just love us as sinners, which he does, of course, and he proved that once and for all by dying on the cross for our sins, but that's not the whole story. If you read Romans 12 the way I read it, God also finds our personhood and our creativity impressive. As parents, we love to see our kids perform, even if the performance aren't examples of extraordinary talent, by the way. But then there's a whole level of enjoyment when you see your kid or your grandkid do something that they're extremely amazing and awesome at. 
That's a whole other level of enjoyment. I, I've watched those who were too afraid of the sacrifice, and I've watched those who weren't. I, I, I can't say that I've tracked everyone down. I, I haven't, but, I, but I've seen people, it grieved my heart, who would walk away from the call to ministry because they were so afraid of sacrifice. So secondly, uh, the call to ministry is also the surrender to nonconformity. The surrender to nonconformity. Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, even in the ancient world, a lot of times we think everything is new, but nothing's new. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun. Even the ancient world valued power and conquest over serving and meeting needs. Uh, the fact that there are nine gifts listed in Romans 12, and we're all assigned one, we're all assigned one, means we're all missing eight. <laughs> so, uh, we need each other. We, we, we need each other. It, the world is full of hurting people, so we better get along and build a coalition of compassion so we can work together. That's what we have to do. Listen to what Dr. Mary Ford said. She's an Orthodox uh, uh, believer and professor uh, in Pennsylvania. She said, and this is, a, I'm going to come back to this quote probably next week when I talk about societal realignments. She said, so God's intention in allowing inequalities to, is to arouse and sustain love. How can this be? Inequalities provide opportunities to show love, to give and to serve others in need. When this, happen, when this doesn't happen again, the root problem is sin and not the inequality. That's profound. Think about that. As far as I can tell, there's not a single example in the ancient world that there was a policy of giving support to the weak outside of the Judeo-Christian ethic. I don't see it. It was the, only, the first place it shows up in the Judeo-Christian ethic, so anyone who has that ethic had to borrow it from the Judeo-Christian religions. They had to borrow it. They have to borrow it. The entire Christian religion, which actually represented the completion of the Jewish religion, is predicated on the most powerful redeeming the least powerful and is therefore the model for all ministry. So we're, we're called to need each other, serve each other with our gifts so we can be a community for the community. I've tried to... I, I, as you know, I have a few cliches. One cliche is we want to be bigger on Monday than we are on Sunday. Uh, that's one of my cliches. But I, I hope I can make this a cliche, that we are a community for the community. But we have to become a community first. If we, if, we, if we forget to focus on being a community in here and serving one another, we're not going to be a community for the community. You can't just run out and be, be a presence in the community if you don't become a community in here. Do you, do you agree? Also, like all the materialistic world, even the ancient world didn't support giving oneself to a cause that didn't promise immediate intangible benefits. They didn't. Customs in the ancient world specifically forbade taking responsibility for another. But it's at the center of the Christian ethos. Christianity is not a collectivist in the sense that Marxism is, for, for that is about the almighty state owning all property and means of production. It is not sharing our... It, 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 the Christian faith is not sharing our lives due to a government fiat, but it's hearts that are moved by the mercy of God. In view of God's mercy, he said in verse 1, we offer our bodies as living sacrifice. Finally, even the ancient world 
prioritize pleasure, possessions, and power and status as a true measure of a person's life. Not the kingdom of God. That's not what we, that's not what we, at the end of life, it's not how much you have, but it's how much did you give away. That's the ethos of the kingdom of God. Luke 12, 15 says, Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So Paul is, Paul is urging his people to respond to God's mercy. His forgiveness of our sins, his inclusion, his including us in his family, the appropriate action would be offering to him our entire lives as a form of a living, breathing sacrifice. Next, Paul writes that we're to be no longer conformed to the world. The world, the, the word world is often used in the New Testament to refer to the world system or the way that every human being lives by default. The world system is how you will live by default if you don't get if you don't get filled with the Spirit of God, if you don't meet God and you don't find the kingdom of God ethic, if you don't discover it. John described the worldly way of living as the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life in 1 John 2. By instinct, all of us chase those things in pursuit of happiness and meaning. But the kingdom of God gives us a transcendent source of meaning and a way of establishing our value that is so powerful and so incredible. Paul tells us to abandon the chase for pleasure, possessions, and status, to stop living like everyone else. Instead, he urges us to be transformed from the inside out. Specifically, he writes that we must be changed in how we think, to have our minds renewed so that we can begin to understand God's will for our lives. God may continue to provide us with pleasure, possessions, and status in various forms, which he does, but he urges us to learn how to look at life with a new question. What does God want me to do? What does God want for me? What is truly and good, acceptable, and perfect use of my life for his purpose, not just for my own? Finally, the call to ministry is about the surrender to connection. I kind of made that point already, but I want to drive it home now. Notice what he says in verse 3 through 6. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Notice that Paul did not say, there's a hurting world out there, get out there. Get out there and meet the needs of this hurting world. There, there's, there's oppression and marginalized people and, and, and there's inequality in the world. Get out there and, and take care of it, which we know he wants us to do, by the way. But that's not the strategy. The strategy is to start loving the people right in your group. The strategy is to start to meet the needs of the people you already know. Uh, God's plan for humanity is to live in and for two communities, one belongs being the Christian community and the other being the civic community. Jesus set the precedent of giving himself to the, his followers. Jesus didn't, you know, we'll talk about this next week, but, but, but you know, you hear a lot of talk today about binaries and, and how binaries are wrong, you know, kind of, and the culture is kind of telling you that today. But, but actually, actually, binaries were, were so biblical so Jesus had this binary, which was his followers and the world. His, his, his community, the, the people who were closest to him, 
and he, he ministered differently. He ministered more deeply and, and, and differently to his community. When, when Peter couldn't pay his taxes, he showed him how to pay his taxes. He touched and ministered. When, when his best friend Lazarus died, he went and raised him from the dead. So he ministered to his, he ministered to his, 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 his Christ community. Because he was Christ, so his community was Christ community. So he ministered to his Christ community, and then he would step out of his Christ community, and he would minister to the civic community, and he healed their sick, and he taught, their, he taught them how to more, have a more prosperous and beneficial life. And, and I don't know if you're tracking with me right now, but this is the amazing opportunity that the church has right now, like never before. This is the amazing opportunity of the church that, that, we, that we can be a presence in the civic community of, of healing and grace and mercy, and because we possess this kingdom of God, we possess a set of values that, are, that will not come from Beacon Hill or Washington, D.C., or will not come from the, from the universities, but it comes right out of heaven. It comes right out of the Word of God. And, and then, but then we have this other thing that we can, we can find comfort and wholeness and health and healing and, and project healing with the community of Christ. We have two sets of eyes, so we can do both. We can do both. And in fact, we must. We must. We must start. The Bible says very clearly in Galatians 16, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Our calling to ministry is indiscriminate, therefore begins here, but extends out there. Luke 10, 33, but a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was who, was who was wounded. And when he saw him, he took pity on him and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey and brought him out to the inn and took care of him. That was ministry to the civic community. The story of the Good Samaritan, by the way, does not invalidate the need for the church, but points to the fact that Jesus was planning to build a new kind of church. Remember, if you ever follow that story, the established church was ignoring the guy in the ditch. The established church was ignoring the, 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 the poor man who had been beaten by robbers because they, they had to go have their church service. You know, a priest and a Levite, you know the story, walked by and didn't, didn't minister to the guy. And Jesus wasn't saying, I'm just going to have a bunch of do-gooders that I'm going to send out into the world and we're not going to do that church thing anymore. I mean, boy, there's no case for that in the, in the epistles. There's no case for that in the book of Acts. No, Jesus was saying, I'm going to walk away from those guys that are so fascinated with their church that they, don't have, no time for the, they have no time for the community, and I'm going to build a new kind of church. I'm going to build a new kind of people who love me and love their neighbor as themselves. Now, come on. You can say amen. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh man <laughs> that's great Kevin. If, if, if you want somebody to make you laugh get to know Kevin Lombard he is one of the Kevin Lombard is it, I lo it, you know w when I call him on the phone it's, it's like I'm calling um, uh, uh, it's like I'm calling a variety show I never know what performance I'm going to get <laughs> Listen, I want to say this. If you can't be grace-based in here, how in the world are you going to be grace-based out there? Amen. You've got to love the people in here. 
but you don't stop there. Then you love the people that are out there. The New Testament pattern is crystal clear. People discover the cross as their means of salvation. They pick up that symbol of suffering, and they, like Jesus, suffer too in order to be a blessing to others. If you're going to be a blessing to others, you're going to suffer. You're going to sacrifice. If you're going to really minister to others, you will have less time for yourself. And there will be times you will have less money. There will be times that you'll have less privacy. You will sacrifice. Every great thing that anyone has in the world, they obtain through sacrifice. Sacrifice is glorious and noble. Now, you've got you to choose your sacrifice. That's, that's another sermon, another story. So number two, they pick up the symbol of suffering and let Jesus suffer in order to be a blessing to others. Number three, then the church sends them out to a nearby or faraway place to the herding and create more ministry teams called churches. Acts 13, 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Brandy, we're going to send you off. Next Sunday, we're going to, we're going to lay hands on you. I'm going to have the uh, board of trustees and pastoral team. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going, to, we're going to send you off, and we're going to pronounce a blessing over your future. BCC is to be a connecting, calling, and sending place. I challenge every one of you to surrender today to the call to ministry. Every one of you. I know you've surrendered to the, most of you have surrendered, if not all, to the call of salvation. But I want, you to, I want you to think about and really pray about, every one of you, I want you to pray about surrendering to the call of ministry. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what that would look like. <laughs> well, uh, you, you got that right. Uh, surrendering to the call of ministry is giving God a blank check and letting him fill it out. That's what the surrender to the call of ministry is. Giving God a blank check and letting him fill it out. I mean, he may... He may give it back to you and it says, it may say, join the children's church staff. It may say, take food to your neighbor. It may say, go to Africa. I don't know. <laughs> but who cares? I want to do the will of God. I want to do the will of God. I do want to close with this today. We, we're, we were going to close by praying for you, Brandy, but I think we're going to put that off till next week. I, w- I want to close the service today. So, Christy, I think I'll go ahead and just close and you can come and dismiss them. Well, they don't need to be dismissed, right? They can handle it. You think they can handle it? <laughs> I think you can handle it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I, I didn't understand you. I know it was funny because I... Okay, okay. <laughs> but... Uh, I want to close with, uh, with us praying for a personal request that came to me yesterday from Afghanistan. And uh, I'm not allowed to tell you who it is or what organization it is, but it's a friend of myself who has, uh, runs a large global organization. And uh, they, uh, they're in... They're in every country in the world except for North Korea. And so they have people in Afghanistan right now. And one family in particular, he, called, he texted me yesterday, please pray 
He's trapped in trying to get to the airport. And he said, if the, if the Taliban finds him, they will, and his family, they will kill him immediately. That's what he said. I, I didn't say it, he said. And then uh, I heard from him this morning, and I guess they did get past the Taliban checkpoint. And so they're near the airport right now. But no flights are going out because they had been so overwhelmed. So the flights are going to Qatar. And so let's pray for this family. We don't know them. I don't know them. You don't know them. But let's pray right now that God will get them to the airport. And there are many, many others who are still stuck in Afghanistan. And so I know this is kind of a down note in the service on. Teresa, are you back there? So you have a family member that's there? What's the relationship? What? Cousin. Cousin. Uh, military or... or but, but they're... Oh, oh, okay. So they're at the airport or they're in, inland? Helping. Okay. Helping rescue. Let's pray for this operation. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name, uh, we, there's so much suffering in the world and Afghanistan is just one place. But we pray for this family that needs to get to the airport today. And I pray that flights will begin to resume. And we pray, God, that you will just protect them and other workers from this organization that are still behind enemy lines today. We just ask you, God, to have mercy and grace and have mercy and grace on all the Afghani people uh, who have suddenly, many of them, been thrown into this situation overnight. And uh, we just can't imagine what it's like to live in that kind of uh, fear. And we just pray, God, that you would, would get the people out that, um, that, that really need to get out and are trying to get out and protect them from danger. God, we pray for... Uh, Teresa Tyler's cousin who's there serving our military. We pray, God, that you will keep him, him or her safe and take care of them as well. And bless everyone as they go home today. I pray everyone will be safe. You will uh, no problems from flooding. And we pray, God, if uh, you could be so gracious as to help us not to have the power outage, that would be just great. And uh, thank you for these wonderful people. And I pray, God, that you would impress upon them the call to ministry and the joy of ministry and the empowerment available for ministry. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.